Welcome back to the old personal podcast where we turn the good old saying nothing personal just business upside down and prove how in fact it's all personal nothing is just business because it's how we use our personal skills every day that makes us happy both at home or at work and Especially today, right in this episode, we go to prove that learning is not an event, but a habit. Because today I'm talking to Catalina Catana. She's a powerhouse professional and entrepreneur and passionate about learning design, the future of work and social entrepreneurship. Catalina wants to unlock people's creative potential, empower them to engage in a lifelong learning experience, and find their inner changemaker. She has recently started her journey at Taiko Nauten in Berlin, Germany, as a creative strategist focusing on human-centered design conceptualization, workshop design and delivery, and validation of UX solutions. As a side project, she's interviewing inspiring change makers around the world to share their journeys, stories, and learnings along the way. It always feels wonderful to talk to someone amazingly passionate about something. And to me, it was even more so talking to Catalina about her passion for learning and how it improves everyone's lives. So tune in to find out how you can turn a frustration into passion and a life mission how to build an educational startup, the why, the how, and the who, how it would be fantastic if we were taught from an early age to take a personal stand to learning, how understanding something comes from what you feel, not from what others tell you to feel, how if you want change to happen, you have to be ready to let that change influence who you are. And how the changes that we start during our lifetime don't necessarily have to have a completion during our lifetime. So, get ready to be amazed. Three, two, one. Catalina, welcome to the All Personal Podcast. Thank you for having me, uh, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for being the guest here today. And um, uh, okay, I'll start with, because I know a little about you, but I want to start by asking, 
just shortly, what's been your journey so far? Where did you start and what brought you to where you are today? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll try to keep it short <laughs> because I could talk about this <laughs> okay. for weeks probably. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, so... Fine, we have time. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my journey, I think, well, I'm born in Moldova, which is a really tiny country in Eastern Europe. Um, but we're, we're neighbors yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah with Romania yes. yeah um, and but I believe my journey my professional journey uh, probably started in Amsterdam so after I graduated from high school I moved to the Netherlands to study uh, and I started studying international business innovation which at that time was a very new course. I was in the first cohort of students. Um, and it was a really interesting transition for me because that's the moment that I started to get familiar with the concepts of startups, lean thinking, design thinking, human-centered design, personal development, professional development, um, social innovation, and all this a little bit buzzwords nowadays, but it was a great learning for me to experience that. Uh, it, it was a new way of thinking uh, and a new way of approaching uh, business and a new way of approaching communication, which was a pretty huge shock for me back then. Um, but mm -hmm. now if I think back, it was probably the most important decision I have made in my life. Um, right. So I studied in Amsterdam for years. Uh, in between my studies, I've been to London for a six-month exchange. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, during my studies, as I was saying, I learned a lot about uh, entrepreneurship and startups and a lean methodology and experimentation and kind of the mentality, if you have an idea, just go out and try it out. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. what I did during my studies. I was trying to be quite active so to do a lot of projects on the side and try out different ideas I, I tried to create some sort of innovation community back in Moldova to kind of bring all that knowledge and experience I accumulated back to my home country because I believed that mm -hmm. that mentality and that attitude uh, could help solve really big problems that we, we have in Eastern Europe um, right so I tried to do a little bit of a little bit there uh, what I intended to do didn't really work out but I still try to keep active in any way and contribute to some projects some local projects there as much as I can and I started a few startups if if they can be called startups <laughs> a few <laughs> initiatives um, mainly around um, the areas of education because that's one of my biggest passions education and mm -hmm. learning uh, and after I graduated university I decided that it's time for me to challenge myself again uh, and I moved to Berlin and that's where I am now uh, and mm -hmm. I started uh, a few months ago uh, in the I started uh, to work at a design creative agency here uh, as a creative strategist and this is where I am now And this is my full-time work, but on the side, I still 
try to do a few things in the areas of education and change making <laughs> and change making wow yeah um i was wondering because okay so you you left you come from moldova and you went to amsterdam to study international business yes. what what made you decide okay you know i'm gonna go and study international business in amsterdam i mean how how was that decision made because it was a pretty important decision right yes it was a very important decision um, but as important as it was i think it was random mm. <laughs> um <laughs> okay <laughs> because i don't know growing in eastern europe uh, going through school you there's a lot of especially in the school that i went there's a lot of talk about uh, going abroad so there was kind of a trend of people that graduated that mm -hmm. they would go to university abroad and they would always go like the uk was a hot spot uh <laughs> germany right. france um so i knew i wanted to go abroad i didn't know where uh yet uh and in terms of Mm, choosing a course it's it's a very interesting question because well now I kind of reverse engineer it and to me it makes sense that decision but if I think back then I never made a conscious very well informed decision as a, as, uh -huh. as a graduate I don't think I knew the full spectrum of opportunities I had it was more just right looking into the maybe not top but some like famous universities abroad uh, and the usual big courses are kind of information technology or computer science um, business which is a huge topic in mm -hmm. itself mm -hmm. uh, I don't know more like social sciences psychology and stuff like that uh, or law so to me right. to me it was kind of this four or five big topics that within themselves they have so much more but back then mm -hmm. it was kind of okay I, I have to choose between this um, and I decided to go with something that was broad enough but interesting at the same time so I was looking at different courses and different universities in some western countries and most international business courses had the same structure so going through the silos of different subjects so marketing finance accounting, uh, management, stuff like that. Uh, and mm -hmm. I stumbled by accident mm -hmm. upon the course that I did, uh, which had this innovation aspect to it. And mm -hmm. just the description, the, the description of the course, it was, it seemed refreshing in a way. It was very different from what I read. And I don't know, I got intrigued and I decided to give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> and why does it make sense to you now if you reverse engineer it? Um, Hmm. Good question. <laughs> I think it makes sense now because looking back, all the dots connect in a way. Mm. Because um, I think, okay, so when I moved to Amsterdam, I think I experienced different waves of shock. First, it was this cultural shock of being in a different country. But then it was also mm -hmm. the education shock because the, the approach to this course was completely different. Uh, and I feel like these um, differences made me uh, realize, or I don't know, made me a little bit more open-minded 
uh, mm-hmm. made me a little bit more flexible and opened my eyes to some topics that I never even considered before, uh, which in turn made me um, take some steps that led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And um, they were directly connecting to your passion, right? In for, for education, for learning. You know, because that's what you said you were passionate about. Yes, but I think my pa- my passion started from frustration. So first, I was very frustrated. That's uh, very interesting to hear. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I'll, so well, how come? Well, I feel like. Um, how should I put this? So uh, probably also experience it yourself in Eastern Europe. Uh, in Eastern Europe, the education system is quite harsh uh, in the mm-hmm. sense of there's a lot of pressure um, when it comes to grades and performance. Uh, there's a lot of competitiveness um, and it's all about like the focus is all about results and numbers and there is not so much personal development or it, it was yeah. always this feeling of you just have to learn it and that's it like mm-hmm. there, there was no explanation or reasoning like we were learning all those subjects in math and chemistry and history and geography and so on but there was never a why behind it so i think that was quite demotivating for me i was a really good student i was probably one of the few students that were on top of my class grade wise <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> but i mm-hmm. always felt that i studied and i had those grades not because of a personal motivation that I was really really interested in the subject but in a way because of fear um, yeah and because mm-hmm. of a lot of pressure uh, yeah. so I was very frustrated and yeah I, mm-hmm. I think I think that frustration I took with me to Netherlands but then I experienced a different way of learning and I felt even more frustrated <laughs> because um in Eastern Europe education, I was used to, okay, this is the problem. This is what you have to do. You have to do it this way. Right. And uh, in Netherlands, uh, especially in my course, I experienced a different approach to teaching and education. It was more like you're open to do whatever you want. These are kind of the factors of the problem. Mm-hmm. You can do, there's no right or wrong solution. You can do whatever you yeah. want as long as you explain the steps that you took in order to solve that problem. And to me, mm-hmm. that was very difficult uh, because I was not used to that. I was expecting more guidelines of, okay, this is right and this is wrong. <laughs> so I got even more frustrated that I didn't know. I, I, I suddenly was uh, with faced with this problem that I actually don't know what is right or what is wrong, or I don't know what my opinion is. Yeah. And that was my moment of realization that, wait a minute, this is completely crazy. Why are we not taught on an earlier age to think like that, to develop this personal individual opinion about things or have this process of logically explaining something that comes from what you feel, not from what others tell you to feel. So Mm -hmm. I think that moment of realization kind of guided all my steps uh, further regarding education and my uh, my passion for education because, uh, I don't know, I I just wanted to change something that it shouldn't be the way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It should start from, 
the individual and understanding their needs and understanding their interests and trying to make them curious and not force education on them, but make them curious about different subjects and have some room for exploration and some room for creativity and some room for play and not make it so like stressful and structured. So I think that was the moment when my frustration turned into a passion, kind of a mission to, to do yeah. something about it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that sounds wonderful. Turning uh, frustration into a passion, I love it. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I think at the same time, it's the ideal case scenario. Mm-hmm. If we could all turn at least some of our frustrations into passions, I think we would be a little bit happier, at least. Definitely. So, um, I was wondering in 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 this process of you going and studying abroad and having such a different perspective to to learning and as you said it was a cultural shock and and then an educational shock what do you think were some of those skills muscles of yours that helped you that helped you in this situation that helped you most in this situation mhm mm I think it was mainly resilience. Mm-hmm. Did you already have this muscle built up? It was it already strong? Yes, coming with so. it from from Moldova. Yes, I think so, uh, because mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from the family um, perspective and also from the school perspective, uh, I was always kind of motivated to go through the hard times to. Or like to to stay strong through challenges and not give up. So I always had, I think, this attitude instilled in me. And I think that's what uh, helped me uh, deal with all those waves of shock, of cultural shock and educational shock. Um, And just this desire, uh, not desire, this resilience basically of, uh, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm not going to give up. Um, And also this thought of what... Maybe another thing would be the the self-reflection as a skill that I was Mm -hmm. always thinking, okay, if I give up, what's going to happen? And kind of trying to see a few steps ahead. Okay, if if I give up now and I have to go back, what am I going to do then? Is this something that I want? No. Okay, then I have to keep going. Um, Right. So I think these two, in combination, um, mm-hmm. were were the skills, the skill muscles that that helped me to deal with that change. And did you build any other skills muscles along the way? Were there ones that you noticed were slowly but surely <laughs> building up? Uh, yes, many of them actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So one would be flexibility. Uh, and adaptability so I would put this together uh, that yeah um, with change you have to be stay flexible so um, Mm -hmm. I think you develop that skill only when you experience some sort of change Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think that was a skill that uh, I have started developing uh, when I first did this change and it's one of the skills that I keep developing Mm-hmm. Um, another skill uh, that was that I started developing more and more was, I think, communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always a very quiet, a 
and shy child. Mm-hmm. Maybe not shy, reserved. Right. Um, which many perceived as shy. <laughs> so I think, like, I started speaking up more. Um, and it's one of the skills that I still need to work on and I still keep working on of just speaking up and communicating better what I think and what I want. Mm-hmm. Mm, probably along with communication goes also the public speaking part, uh, which is yeah, uh, interesting one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so do you do, uh, do you do a lot of public speaking? Uh, not as much, I think, as I would like to, but mm-hmm. more than I feel comfortable with. <laughs> so I, I, I try to not get comfortable uh, with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever the opportunity arises, just take it uh, and practice it. Yeah. Um, I think it also goes a little bit with the resilience part that I was talking before, that even though I'm scared to do it, I want to do it because I know I need to develop that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it goes, I mean, it it's a little bit of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, helps, helps especially with change. And I think, well, in your case, it was definitely a big change. And you've put yourself through big changes all along. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's exactly it's exactly that putting yourself in in situations where you don't feel comfortable, and at the same time where you feel that you will be able to grow. Definitely, and I think what what's important there to mention is that a skill uh, very important for that is open mindedness because I feel like a lot of people nowadays change a lot. Um, in the sense of location, let's say, or jobs and so on. But if you're not open-minded enough, that change is not going to change you, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You have to have mm-hmm. that open-mindedness to actually let that change influence who you are and embrace some new ideas and some new parts of yourself that you didn't discover before. Yeah, I, I think that's very important and I've noticed it uh, a lot mm-hmm. that uh, in some people that I've met uh, along the way that also did this change of going from one country to another, but they didn't let that change influence them as mm-hmm. much as I let it influence me. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And at the same time, I think you you moved from one from one country to another and you... You think about, okay, I want to live in that country and at the same time have the old life that I was having, which is, I think, is at least geographically is not possible Mm -hmm. because you kind of, I mean, when you move from one country to another, you just, you physically move. So you anyway, leave some, Mm -hmm. some parts of your old life there. Definitely you take stuff with you that's inside you and definitely the skills and the values Mm -hmm. and your thoughts. And I think this is where it's maybe a little bit more difficult to, um, to start being more open into actually allowing 
some new values step in. The, the values mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that place where you where you moved and where you want to belong at at some point. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Okay, so I was wondering uh, from from all of these from all of these skills, what or which of them helped you in in your business? in in setting up the the startups and i have to say i'm really curious to find out more about the kind of startups and how that idea uh came to to come to came to life uh because education educational startups that's i think it's the first time i've heard about it It's uh, not so common, at least not in Europe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, is it common anywhere? <laughs> okay, if if it is, then I'm sorry. <laughs> I never heard of it. But um, <laughs> it sounds absolutely brilliant. And I wanted to know what was the um, the point, the the ignition point for you to to mm-hmm. to start doing that. I think there are many factors mm-hmm. that influence the process. Um, starting with the first question you had, what was the skill um, that mm-hmm. made me do it the most? Hmm, I think it's both resilience and communication. Resilience being the strong skill that I kind of already had and communication being something that I started to practice more and more. Uh, and communication in the sense of just reaching out to people. Yeah. I was always so scared of reaching out to people. I was always having this thought, uh, this thoughts of what is this person going to think of me? Am I good enough? Who am I to reach to this professional? I'm just a student. I'm just naive. So all these thoughts that were, that, that were really big yeah. barriers. Uh-huh. And slowly I started overcoming them and just... I don't know, try to perceive other people as just other people (laughs) and not put them on some sort of um, hierarchical structure. Mm -hmm. So it was just me reaching out to another human being. Did they surprise you in in any way when you you reached out? Were you surprised by some of their reactions? Yes, I was surprised that... Mm -hmm. They were not judgmental and they were not asking who are you as I thought... Uh, they would <laughs> um yeah i don't I, I just realized that people generally want to help and people genuinely want to share their journeys yes. and they actually want to help younger people more than we think they do because they've already been through that journey of f- um, feeling this fear of reaching out and they know the uncertainties that you have when you're young. So mm-hmm. I feel like as students and as young people, we underestimate a little bit how much uh, others want to help us throughout this journey. So yeah. I think that was my moment of surprise when people were like, oh, that's sure. Let's have a coffee. Let's get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, and stepping over that opened many doors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I started the educational startup um, 
through that, through reaching out, um, through meeting people who shared my interests and passions. And uh, at some point we realized that we have a lot of interests and Mm -hmm. uh, common vision of what education should be like. Um, And that kind of created the synergies, the right synergies, uh, and the startup was born. (laughs) And what we did back then is, so basically we started from the problem that a lot of students, when they graduate, they feel lost. They -hmm. don't know what to do. Um, They don't know what are the opportunities out there professional-wise. And most of the times what you learn in university it does not really apply in the professional field, especially in business and tech mm-hmm. environment, because in business and tech, everything changes so fast. And there are like new job roles every six months or something. Uh, yeah. There are some roles, I don't know, like growth hacker, and product manager and stuff that you don't really learn in school or like in university. And we thought, okay, that's not... That, that's not right because so many people started business and so many people started, uh, studied tech and they should be guided a little bit uh, in this professional journey. So mm-hmm. we wanted to bring more professionals in the classroom uh, to share their journeys, but also share what's happening out there in the professional world because now mm-hmm. it's so disconnected and we wanted to make this bridge. Uh, we wanted to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we created or we wanted to create a platform that connects professionals with students and teachers within universities to organize guest lectures and company visits in a much easier way. Yeah, that sounds absolutely beautiful. And it's something that definitely I think it's it's needed everywhere. I mean, and I think it doesn't matter, okay, maybe some of the educational systems are are better or more related to to the practice in some countries more than others. But definitely, I think whatever you do, um, coming out of school, there will still be a gap between what the education system, as it is right now, can offer and what the workplace needs. And I think maybe I want to pick up your thoughts on this because um, I think both of them are going through some big changes right now. And the the school as we know it is going to change and try to, to minimize this gap Mm-hmm. Uh, to the towards the workplace, and at the same time, workplace the workplace is slowly but surely changing from that hierarchical uh, structure and big corporations and the boss is the boss and the head mm-hmm. and only the boss things and the rest follow mm-hmm. into into the kind of network workplace where people are connected and interconnected and they 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 work with each other depending on the projects that they're involved in so Mm -hmm. um i was i was wondering what what first of all what your thoughts on this are and what some of the feedback was from uh both the students and the professionals that you were inviting to to talk to the students in this project Mm -hmm. so my thoughts are 
well, regarding education, where to start, there there needs to be so much change and so much deep change uh, on a systems level uh, because I really believe it's not... Um, there's no easy solution and there's no direct solution yeah. uh, because there are so many stakeholders involved uh, in the whole education and learning uh, systems and there are like some very solid structures in place and it's it's hard to break through that um, mm-hmm. and it's hard to break through that especially when you don't have a very concrete solution um, and um yeah, uh, I, I totally agree that the education system is slowly changing, um, that more and more professionals are coming into the classrooms and it's not this, there, there's not such a big wall between what happens uh, in the classroom and what happens outside the classroom. Um, mm-hmm. However, um, I feel that there still needs to be so much work, not in not only in terms of bringing more professionals in the classroom, but in general in the content of what we're teaching uh, children. Yeah. And um, kind of, because we were also talking about this, the whole professional field is changing as well, right? That there's more of a network. And mm-hmm. I mean, education has to fit that. It's kind of a, you cannot separate the two. Once one changes, the other needs to change at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like in, in this new world of working, let's say, in this network uh, organizations where there are smaller local businesses everywhere and employees are not just resources, but uh, people with their opinions and uh, yeah. skills and uh, ambitions, um, mm-hmm. students need to be taught how to deal with that. And I feel like it's not happening that much it's still there are still uh, important changes in some countries but it's very little with the change that yeah. there should be mm-hmm. um yeah uh and the second question was what was the feedback yeah exactly um well it's the, the feedback was great from from the students and mm-hmm. from the professionals i was one of my biggest learnings, again, was how much professionals want to actually get involved in the education process and how much people enjoy being teachers. And for me, it was such a revelation, I, I feel, that mm-hmm. people actually want to share their learnings. They want to share their expertise. They want to help others. And I think the education system should encourage that more, that everyone should be a teacher in a way. Uh, because everyone has something to to teach others and Mm -hmm. uh, share something with others Uh, so the feedback from the professional was amazing they they always enjoyed uh, being teachers even for one hour and my surprise was also there that there was no financial incentive whatsoever people just wanted to do this out Uh of their good heart yeah um the, the student feedback was also great uh, they students always love to have kind of a refreshment in the classroom that it's yeah that they, they there's someone else bringing something different it's always inspiring it's always motivating um and from that inspirational point of view they were very happy 
mm-hmm. having more professionals in the classroom. But the question always stays in the system. I mean, students would like more profess- professionals in the classroom, but at the end of the day, they still have to pass some exams based on the knowledge that they learned from their books. So mm-hmm. um, there was this barrier that they, the, the knowledge that professionals bring don't, doesn't necessarily match. Uh, yeah the knowledge that they require to have during a test for example which is ridiculous because at the end of the day you're not living your life for a test but you're going to be a professional for most of your time so you're Mm -hmm. you should take more learnings from a professional rather than a book in in that in that sense Mm -hmm. um i think from from these two stakeholders the feedback was really great um what we found out was that there were too many stakeholders involved with too many different incentives mm-hmm. so teachers for example in universities they're overworked and they have so much to do they have to prepare for classes and uh, in the netherlands and probably in some universities in europe there is this huge pressure on writing academic papers mm-hmm. and conducting research um so from the teacher perspective, they have to deal with a lot of things. And uh, for example, the managers of universities are another stakeholder and their incentive is completely different. They, they want their university to rank higher and they want more research output. And yeah, so there, there was a clash of different interests and different goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're not doing, uh, you're not doing that anymore, right? In, in Berlin. No, we we stopped mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. We did a pilot with two um, programs uh, at a university. Uh, we had really good results, but uh, we decided to stop because uh, we still wanted to learn more. And um, yeah, we decided that for now it makes sense to, to stop and mm-hmm. develop mm-hmm. ourselves a little bit more. And at least from my perspective, I decided to gain more experience before I venture again into another startup. (laughs) Well, I think, you know what, whenever you, you decide you're ready again, I think we, we can do a shout out to all professionals out there. Uh, you know, contribute if you really care about what happens to us all and, and, you know, getting people when they are ready to start working, uh, getting students more, more prepared. And Mm -hmm. I think it's also, I love your idea of, um, of bringing the right, creating the right environment for people to share and mm-hmm. listen. I think if we have, it's a beautiful combination. Whenever people have this intrinsic motivation of, of sharing experience, sharing knowledge, uh, sharing their story, basically, mm-hmm. um, and that that also creates that that powerful listening capability on the other side. Because this is what gets people interested. Hey, I want to learn from this person talking to me right now. Because they give me a reason why. They give me a sort of, "Mm, maybe I could do that. Or maybe I don't want to do that. But at least I can decide 
and I can see a way. I can at least start thinking about my way. Definitely. So I think it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to do, and it's mm-hmm. um, it's something that transforms education into learning more than just education. Exactly. So back to you. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you um, if anybody told you like 10, 15 years ago that, hey, Catalina, you will, in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you'll be in Berlin doing this. Would you have believed them? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. What what were you thinking about? What what was your it's that question, what did you want to do when you <laughs> would be a grown up back then? <laughs> Actually I wanted to be a teacher, which is mm. a little bit ironic, I guess. Mm. <laughs> um or maybe um, not. Yeah. <laughs> It's... Maybe not. Maybe yeah. I would. St- I will still be. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I. Uh, I learned not to uh, create a very structured future in my head because, in the end, there there will be so many surprises along the way. Yeah. Um, that I'm trying to stay open to that because, uh, yeah, ten years ago I thought I would be. No, actually, I went through many phases. Okay. When I was when I was really little, I wanted to be a teacher. When I grew a little bit more up, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and when I grew a little bit more up, I wanted to be a politician. And then I wanted to be a business person. And uh-huh. finally enough, at all the stages, my motivation was that I wanted to change something <laughs> or do something, create some sort of positive impact. Mm-hmm. And I went through the stages because I thought, okay, in that role, I would be able to create the most impact. <laughs> um, yeah, but now where I am today, um, I don't know. I-, I wouldn't have believed it because if I look back even four years ago, so many things happened in the last four years that I think it's it's incredible. <laughs> But so many mm-hmm. changes happened and so many unpredictable changes as well. Yeah. yeah. And the way I look at it, the way I see it from here, it's pretty much a combination of all of those things that you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, teaching, healing people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, healing the way people learn or helping them learn <laughs> or... Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, advocating for this kind of change, which is not easy. Exactly. I think what's mm. important also is that I think I, I shifted from having a very a very linear uh, perspective, future perspective, to having mm-hmm. a more uh, spiral perspective. Let's say mm-hmm. uh, because I always thought that there are some sort of stages in your life. Okay, well, first you study, and then you work and then you retire, and then you die. So very... (laughs) uh, It was very very, clear. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And now I'm realizing Mm -hmm. that it's never like this, and it's always kind of, I don't know, spiraling and iterating your own learning and your own career many times before you actually find that linear. Mm -hmm. That's that's clear. And, uh, yeah, it's a very good um, analogy, and I have... it's. I just hearing you 
talk about it. I just um, remembered I heard a definition of entrepreneurship, which I think actually very much applies to life as it is and to what we can do as people going through our own lives. And it said um, entrepreneurship is like the, the rhythm of a heartbeat. It can be, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, and then it goes up again and down again and so on. But the minute it's flat, you're dead. So, you know, thinking about your linear um, visual image that you just created, I think, you know, you. this is very much the definition of living with a purpose, right? You have that yes. heartbeat that goes up and down and up and down. Um, yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And talking about ups and downs, um, did you ever have moments where you said, okay, this is not going to work or this was a mistake or um, what did you do then? Mm-hmm. What Many were those times. moments and what did you do? Many times mm-hmm. <laughs> and many different types of down. <laughs> uh, so, for instance, with, with all the projects that I started and I had to, to finish them, it was always a down because there was this decision-making point of, okay, I have to give up now. Um, it was an internal conflict because as a resilient person, mm-hmm. I always beat myself up or put the pressure that... I should work more to make it work or I should do more or I'm not doing enough. Uh, when sometimes, you know, it's just not about you. It's about circumstances. And as much as you want it to work, it just doesn't work. And you have to learn to let that go. Mm-hmm. And it's for me, it was a pretty big down to, to make that step of letting go. Do you have any, any, I don't know, let's call it favorite mistake that you made favorite mistake (laughs) best mistake ever (laughs) best mistake ever i think i would go back to that startup the educational startup that i was talking about and i wouldn't say it was a mistake it was the best learning (laughs) exactly (laughs) i I kind of i you know what i have to say i kind of knew you were gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah or I was hoping you would. <laughs> yes, it was it was the best learning because um, I don't know when when you start something yourself, there's just so many learnings along the way and kind of little mistakes, but learnings. Um, so mm-hmm. for example, yeah, just learning not to venture too much um, in the sense of just dreaming big and trying to achieve everything at once and overworking yourself. And um, I think one of my biggest learnings was to take smaller and slower steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it was like in the entrepreneurial world, there is a huge hype of you have to do a lot of things and you have to do it fast. Um, mm. And I think my learning was that, if you want to create a really big impact, you have to go slow mm-hmm. because 
well, in our, in, in our case, we wanted to change education in a way or bring like an impactful change within education. And this is not something that happens fast and it's not something that happens mm-hmm. with a tech startup solution. It's mm-hmm. you need you need to learn about all the stakeholders and you need to talk with students and teachers and all the other people involved within this process to actually understand the bigger picture. So yeah. I think that was one of the biggest learnings that I had. Mm-hmm. If if only <laughs> we gave ourselves uh, more time, I think again we mm-hmm. just we'd just take the pressure off as well. Um, and yes, this is, and I can definitely relate to that. Definitely. Uh, and it not, not just as um, in entrepreneurship, but also in, in any aspect of life. If you are going to build anything long-term, anything that you want to have an impact long-term, then it's going to take time. Exactly. I, I just wanted to add to that that because we were talking that it it takes time to create change and to create an impact and um, we have to give yeah. ourselves some time or only if we had more time. Um, I, I just wanted to add that it's also about uh, thinking more than in the how to say in in the limits of your lifetime. Yeah. Because if you really want to change something and create something that is going to have a sustainable long-term impact, maybe it's something that's going to happen after you're dead, let's say, or something. But you put all your work into that. And I think it's also important to learn mm-hmm. that some stuff doesn't happen or shouldn't happen yeah. in your lifetime. Actually, that, yeah, it's beautiful that you said that because it's actually something that you can, you might just be starting and you might not see the end exactly. result of it. And that's just fine. Exactly. I mean, getting out, going and going back to your linear description earlier, stop let, by stopping um, thinking about it this way, then you get to realize, okay, maybe I'm just the one who starts this. Exactly. And that's so important because especially with big problems that we're facing right now, like climate change, for instance, and global inequality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like a lot of people don't act because the excuse is always, I cannot do anything. It's not in my reach. And I think that mentality is coming from the fact that you're expecting to see something within your reach, that you expect to, to do something and to see that result in some sort yeah. of success way. Uh, when actually it's just about making that step and doing something towards tackling or solving that problem and it might not be solved in your lifetime and that should be fine. At least you worked towards solving that. Yeah. And I think if we look back in history, we kind of have a lot of examples where people started (laughs) things and they created beautiful things during their lifetime. If I just think of some... Some painters, for instance, who died very poor mm-hmm. and then their paintings are now being sold for millions and millions of dollars. So <laughs> and they, they they and it's not just that, it's not that that aspect, and it's just that they made history. Mm-hmm. They they created a new a new wave and a new style and um something completely new and they inspired generations of future artists 
Exactly. And I think that's that's the power of it, the power of thinking, okay, I <laughs> maybe I'm just a change maker, but I might not see the uh, the change happening fully during my lifetime. Exactly. Mm. Right. So, um I also wanted to ask you what's one thing that you're most proud of so far? Mm, I think I'm really proud of um, the project that I'm currently doing and involved in, mm-hmm. um, which is a series of interviews with change makers all over the world. Um, and I think the reason why I'm really proud of it is because it's I'm doing it not to for a specific goal in the usual terms of mm-hmm. starting a project or a business that you expect to achieve some sort of metrics, let's say. Um, but I'm doing it because I believe in it. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's so important. And that really makes me proud that it's it's something that I'm doing to share other people's stories and to put some some inspiring people in the spotlight and share their learnings and their experience with mm-hmm. others. And yeah, I'm really proud of that. <laughs> you know what? Because you were talking about change makers. Um, and if you were to describe yourself you know, in a few words, what would you say about yourself? It's a really tough one. It's, it has always been a tough question to answer how I would describe myself hmm. I would say that I'm resilient mm-hmm. I am a little bit of a dreamer living in my own world mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes a hopeless dreamer um, hopeless that sounds <laughs> that <hopeful>. sounds hopeless <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe the the, the, the mm-hmm. right word is hopeful okay. dreamer <laughs> That I still uh, like, I have hope in people, and mm-hmm. I have. I, I'm an optimist. I would like to believe mm-hmm. um, that I, I really see the good in people, and I really believe that everyone is a change maker, mm-hmm. and everyone has a small positive impact on their families, or friends, or communities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would say a hopeful dreamer yeah <laughs> and, and also a change maker yourself yes i would say so mm. now by, by now i learned that everyone is a change maker so mm. it means that i am a change maker as well <laughs> <laughs> um okay because we are um reaching the the end of our conversation and um I'm sorry about it, but I never have enough time <laughs> to exactly. talk to the people I'm interviewing and probably you already experienced that as well. Yes. Um, but I want to ask you one last question before we end. Mm-hmm. Um, one sort of wisdom for the end of our conversation, a quote, a movie, um, a book, whatever it is that you would like to to share oh there's so many mm. just yeah, i know it's hard to choose <laughs> i was actually struggling with this i was looking through through the questions or mm-hmm. like the guidelines you sent me <laughs> and that was a really tough one because it's 
it's hard to choose one. Um, yeah. A lot of wisdom. Um, I think stay authentic uh, and just do what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't let yourself be influenced by outside opinions, judgments. Just do what feels right, one step at a time. And with that, that, that will lead you to some interesting outcomes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, one step at a time. Yeah, that sounds like something <laughs> doable, manageable, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Catalina, for, for being here today and sharing your thoughts and your hopes. Thank you as well, Luxana. Thank you. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Well, and thank you so much for being here today, all of you with us. What is the change you want to start working on? Are you a change maker? Listening to Catalina say we're all change makers, I realized she's right. We all are. We just need to know how we are change makers. How are we the change we want to see in the world? I will stop here with my comments because I have a feeling that if you stayed with us until now, you're feeling pretty excited about all those changes that you want to start making. So I'll let you do it. Just please, as always, do make it all personal. Until next time.